So we've been at it for a year now. Some of us love it. Some of us can't stand it, but there's no getting around the fact we all need to do it. Work in a virtual or hybrid environment. But did you know there are some tech and time hacks that will make your virtual workplace world much less tiring and more productive? In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Hussein Gandhi, aka Dr. Gandalf of EGP Learning. He's a GP, PCN director, and host of the EGP Learning Podblast, which shares deep dives into health tech for primary care. He's got some great tips for you on how to survive and thrive working in this new virtual environment, whatever organisation you're in. So listen to this episode to find out how to run virtual and hybrid meetings which don't suck our top three virtual hacks to save you time and hassle, and the important principles for a great IT setup, which will dramatically improve the tech quality of your meetings without spending a fortune. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, life hacks for doctors and busy professionals who want to beat burnout and work happier. I'm Dr. Rachel Morris. I'm a GP, turned coach, speaker and specialist in teaching resilience. And I'm interested in how we can wake up and be excited about going to work, no matter what. I've had 20 years experience of working in the NHS, both on the frontline and teaching leadership and resilience. I know what it's like to feel overwhelmed, worried about making a mistake and one crisis away from not coping. 2021 promises to be a particularly challenging year. Even before the coronavirus crisis, we were facing unprecedented levels of burnout. We have been compared to frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water, working harder and longer. And the heat has been turned up so slowly that we hardly notice the extra long days becoming the norm and have got used to the low-grade feelings of stress and exhaustion. Let's face it, frogs generally only have two choices stay in the pan and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave but you are not a frog and that's where this podcast comes in you have many more options than you think you do it is possible to be master of your own destiny and to craft your work and life so that you can thrive even in the most difficult of circumstances Through training as an executive and team coach, I discovered some hugely helpful resilience and productivity tools that transformed the way I approached my work. I've been teaching these principles over the last few years as the Shapes Toolkit program, because if you're happier at work, you'll simply do a better job. In this podcast, I'll be inviting you inside the minds of friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control to thrive, not just survive in our work and our lives and love what we do again. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. It's really brilliant to have with me this week back 
on the podcast. I'm Dr. Hussein Gandhi, otherwise known as Dr. Gandalf from EGP Learning. Uh, welcome. It's great to have you back. Thank you for having me there. Um, and um, Gandhi's a, a GP, you're a PCN director, you're a podcaster, and you're a, a health tech wizard. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I guess I'm one of those people that likes tech and likes to share what I know about tech to try and make other people's lives easier. Um, and yeah, spent you know, the past couple of years trying to make that work a bit better, really. Uh, and you, you've just been releasing so many sort of videos and podcasts and stuff that I know have been incredibly helpful for well, the GP primary care community. And I'm sure there's been lots of other people listening to those as well. Yeah, it, it's interesting because right now, loads of people are consuming so much information, wanting to find the kind of like right resources, how to do things, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I love sharing how to kind of fix problems i think that's probably the gp side of me you know patients come and see me to see how can i fix their you know what's going on with them and i've just realized with tech i want to do the same thing so and yeah people are asking for help right now particularly with all the covid stuff so yeah yeah we're on a we're on a pretty steep learning curve curve aren't we and well, i think yeah. i think it's fair to say that you are right at that end of the early adopters yeah, I'd say I'm I'm not far off it. Interesting, I think there's definitely people ahead of me in terms of what they you know they're the creators, the ones kind of coming out with all this stuff. I, I'm probably the one that you turn to to figure out how how do I make this work for me in practice. Um, and I found that that works quite nicely and quite well. I think there's some areas I, I even I probably need to jump on the bandwagon and try and help with and stuff. But getting there, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. You were just showing me your amazing new all singing or dancing keyboard. Yes, uh, loving keyboards right now. So much life's just better with a nice keyboard, I think, particularly when you spend all day using one. That's one thing I think many of particularly in primary care, forget we spend so much time using a desktop PC and then we're just happy to accept the run of the mill carbon copy things that not thinking about how that affects our posture, our health, all that kind of stuff. So looking for better equipment, always a positive for me. Yeah. And programmable keyboards. Who knew? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a rabbit hole. I'll warn you about that. It's <laughs> like right. anything. Once you go into them, you kind of end up going and spending huge amounts if you want to. But uh, yeah, my, my innate sense of wanting not to spend too much money is always useful, I think, at times as well. Yeah, brilliant. So I th first of all, I wanted to get uh, you back on the podcast because it, it, the other episode done incredibly popular with people. But um, also because you've been sending out so much really, really useful stuff. You know, everyone has really pivoted on a penny you know gps were perhaps a year ago might have been heard saying oh you know over my dead body I'm, will i ever mm -hmm. do a video consultation and oh there we go three months later everybody's doing video consultations we are all doing virtual meetings whether we're yeah. on the front line and whether we're at home and we're all just massively having to embrace tech we've had to buy our children laptops you know mm -hmm. it's all these things that we never thought we'd be or would be doing this this soon and this early. But I think, unfortunately, some of the tech does cause extra stress and you've got all the fatigue mm -hmm. around virtual meetings and virtual stuff and online this, online that. But I know that actually tech can really, really help make our lives easier. Mm -hmm. So I know that you have explored everything and you're, you're the go-to person for, you know, these time-saving tips and these, these tech hacks. So I thought it'd be really nice to do an episode looking at what, what you've discovered that, it, that makes your life easier, that, that anybody can use, whether you're at work on the front line or whether you're at home, whether you're doing a bit of both or whether you're leading a team or whether you're just part of a team sure. or, or whatever. Is that okay? Absolutely. 
So where do you want to start then? Let's start with uh, just let's we, we've talked about a few things already. What what for you, if you were to come up with sort of a top two or three top hacks, what would they be? Let's start. Let's start there. OK, so I think for me, the one hack, which is probably a really simple one, but one that saved me a lot of stress. So it may not save me huge amounts of time, but in terms of stress, it's definitely saved me loads of things is using a password locker. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of these and there's loads of different versions out there. The one I use is something called LastPass, um, but there's loads of options out there. And it is what it sounds like. It is, you know, it's a, a, an online app locker that you use to store your passwords. And that may sound really simple, but the reason why I like it is I don't have to worry about the stress of remembering all my different passwords. And as a result of that, you know, my life's just easier, really so much easier. And I'll give you an example. Anybody working in the NHS knows that for even just to start your day, you have to probably log into about three or four different systems. Yeah. So you've, you've got the computer itself to log into. You've got the clinical system that you're using. You've probably got one or two other systems that you have to access with now, particularly with you know online consultations or whether it's accessing your emails, that kind of stuff. And all the requirements for the passwords are completely different. You know, some of them have, it has to be 10 characters with you know, weird numbers and digits and all that kind of stuff. And some of them are the complete opposite. So one of the systems I use will only allow you to use six characters and none of them can be the weird kind of like exclamation marks and that kind of stuff. So having to remember that is really frustrating and it's stress-inducing when it doesn't work. So I like using these password lockers that you can store it all securely, you know, that they claim you know, to have the security of like banks and, and more so to a degree. Um, the one I use um, is on my phone, so it, it unlocks my fingerprint, so I don't even have to remember the password for it. And if I did, I only need to remember one password, the one to get into that. And that one is ridiculously crazy and secure, but it's something I know that's personal to me that I'm not going to forget. And therefore, I can then get access to everything else. And you can even get the additional stuff like um, two-factor authentication. So that's when you, know, like when you get a text message to say, stick this number in, so you've got that extra security. And it works, really works. And the best example I can give you, um, a few people know this, but this time last year, um, I went away and my phone got stolen. And you can imagine the stress of losing your phone, losing everything that's on there. And, and actually, yeah, okay, clearly I was disappointed it got stolen. But then when I got back and I needed to sort everything out, like I said, I just had to log into my thing. I'd already uh, had access to all these passwords and that meant that I could access everything else so that all my bank details and stuff I could cancel, sort out so easily. I just needed access to a digital device, got in there, got my details sorted. And when it came to transferring it all back to my new phone, I just had to wait for it to update and it was done. So stress-wise, that is my big, massive tip. Use one, especially if you work in the NHS. Yeah. And do they work on the NHS computers? They do. So a lot of them are based on browsers. So they're working things like Chrome and, and increasingly more and more places are happy to let you use Chrome because actually a lot of the, the tech we're probably going to talk about for like meetings and stuff runs so much better on that. But they've all got extensions on, you know, um, Firefox as well. But if even if not, you can just still simply dial into a web, into their website, log in and you've got access to it. So, yes, you'll need to remember the password and it doesn't work on the fingerprint like it does on my phone. But to be honest, all I do is I just pull my phone out, search for it, and I'm there instantly and I've got access. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, I can't imagine the amount of times that I forget passwords. You're not having to put your email address, go to your email. Or th- yeah, just yeah. just crazy. That will that will save a lot of time and a lot of, yeah, a lot of stress. Brilliant. So mm-hmm. that's one. 
Mm-hmm. What other things have you found been helpful for you? Um, so the one that really changed things for me, particularly as a clinical director, was the ability to save time without having to book meetings so much. So I, I use a platform that basically whenever somebody wants some of my time, the first thing I just now ask them is, how much time do you think you need? And then I've got various different links that I then send to people that lets them book in for that amount of time based on when I'm free. And it automatically links up the calendar so it knows when I am and I'm not available. Um, and then they, they that person can then choose it. Um, and as a result of that, there's none of that to and froing of, well, I'm free on Wednesday, but I know you're free on Thursday, going back and forth and, and you know, that and keeping a track of it as well. Because in the back of your mind, you, you, you're trying to remember, have I actually arranged that meeting I wanted to have or that person contacted me? Do I, I need to get back to them? I haven't done that. There's none of that. I just simply send the link um, and then they can book it. And then I get an email saying this meeting's booked. I use one that lets me ask the person a couple of questions like, you know, how am I contacting you? What's the meeting for? Give me a bit of a pre-seize kind of thing. And, you know, this is how much time we've got. Is that enough? Or do you feel you need more and we need to look at something else? And, you know, it works really well. So the scheduling, all the podcasts and blogs and stuff I do, I use that. When it comes to meetings with PCNs, with people, you know, wanting my time as a clinical director, I've got set days where I do meetings. Again, I'll just send that and then that's when they can contact me. And the only time I ever break that is, to be honest, when it's family, because they kind of get to jump the queue a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I must say, I think I think I think I heard about this hack from you originally, actually, the, the, these meeting apps. And um, I've, I've, I use one myself and I must say uh, everything it saves like you said, so much time on the going back and forth. And the other thing that it does is it helps you. It's another layer of barrier to, not barrier to your diary, but control of your diary. Yeah. Because I, I've said to myself, I want to spend, I want to leave a few hours every morning to create, to, 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 to run stuff, to, to prepare for stuff, things I need my real thinking time in. Now, I know that if someone says to me, oh, could we just have a quick chat then? I would say, yeah, yeah, don't worry, and, and, and book it over. So you can set up times of when people can book. You can set up times of when they can't. And mm. the fact it then integrates to your diary. So if there's already something there, it won't do it. It's, it's just really, really helpful. And it, it is, yeah. It will say no, so you don't have to in a way. And I think it also helps other people to start to learn to respect your time as well. So one of the things I found, I used to have a couple of people that used to just say, oh, can we just have a meeting? And they, you know, kind of intrude into my time. And actually, this has allowed me to take a little bit more control and saying, actually, um, I know you may feel this is really important. um, But for me, actually, this isn't something I need to be, you know, jumping up and down about. So this is when I'm available. Mm -hmm. This is when I can fit it in. Um, And if it doesn't fit with that, well, then we need to think differently about why that's the case. And you know, I've used that a lot to push back on some of the certain asks, you know, that I get in terms of clinical director and other kind of things and saying, look, you know, I have a set amount of time. I'm more than and have done so many more hours than I should do. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I think any clinical director would say oh, that. Gosh. But the fact of the matter is I need to have some control. And that's one of the ways I've found that helps to give me just a little bit more sanity um, and just make life a little bit easier. Yeah. And I, I've also set up a um, something I read in a book, I think Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt said, use your email signatures a lot more. So I've set up lots of different email signatures with with the links in them that says, mm-hmm. here's the link. I'd love to speak, have a book a chat. Um, and then I also add a little caveat, look, if there's no time at all, just get get back to me, get back to me and I'll, I'll have a look in my diary. So I, what I was worried about when I first started using it, it would be a bit rude to people. Mm-hmm. 
that people think, oh, she's wanting me to sort of book in a slot. Do you think people mind doing that? Um, I think sometimes people may come feel that's the case. Um, I know the first time I have experienced it, I kind of felt like that, I have to admit. So, you know, the first time I came across one of these platforms, somebody, you know, sent me one of these links. I was like, oh. But then when I actually did it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is just <laughs> awesome. <laughs> How do I do this? And And within 10 minutes of doing that, I'd already signed up to an account. <laughs> I was just like, wow, right. okay, this is amazing. I'm using this. And then over time, I've kind of found one that works better for me. Um, and yeah, it, 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 I cannot imagine that my life without them now. Yeah, I think probably my emails would double if I if I didn't have it on, on the back of it. And it's so much easier for the person who wants to book in, to, you know, for the meeting as well, because they don't have to, you know, they don't have to trawl through everything as well i think it's just it's it's just really handy and and what i do like is the question the fact you can ask them what what are we meeting about yeah absolutely it makes it's just it means a if, if sometimes i don't quite remember who the person is and they just put you know i often put what's the one thing you want to know and they put it and i'm like, brilliant i know exactly what i'm talking about whereas i don't always put that if i'm putting stuff in my diary manually i don't always put what what, what it's about mm-hmm and what i like as well is you can link it with other kind of things like zoom or teams and that kind of stuff so then as well, when it comes to time for the meeting, I'm, I'm not even having to talk through my emails or anything. I go to my calendar because I know that's where all my stuff that's scheduled is. I've got the link for the meeting there. I just tap on it and go. And I'm, you know, I'm not having to look around for the, yes. the meeting codes or anything like that. It, it's just all in there. And if it's a phone call, it says, OK, I need to call them, tap the number and my phone's dialing them straight away. Yeah. So yeah. just, yeah time-wise stress-wise so much better since i've started using these and i've had a few people like you say just come back to me saying "Ooh, how do i do that what do i do <laughs> okay uh, and yeah it's amazing mm. yeah and and most of them you can get a free free version that's completely adequate Absolutely. for what you need um i use the paid version because I, I need quite a few different events but you know this is how we booked this podcast wasn't it because we were like exactly should we do another podcast right here's the link boom exactly and and you're right, you know, most of them are free if you just have one meeting type, if you need multiple meeting types, which I'm a bit of control freak, um, I kind of wanted different ones for different reasons. So yeah, I, I just paid for one and then yeah, definitely it's, it's a cost I'm more than happy and I have no doubt it has saved me more time than the cost of the application mm. itself oh. several times over. Yeah, definitely when you think about the, the time just replying to emails. Brilliant. So we've got these sort of calendar scheduling tools, we've got password lockers, what was the third thing that, that you think will really sort of save people time and stress when they're sort of working from home or, or doing this hybrid working? So I'm going to go out and say that pre-COVID, I've been talking about video meetings well before COVID came along. Um, I remember to, me and Andy did some work on this uh, for our podcast back in, um, so where are we now? Two years ago, almost. And we were talking to various different groups about how we wanted to shift all of our meetings to online because it would just save so much time. And guess what happened? <laughs> You're like a prophet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it, but it's been, I, I mean, yes, don't get me wrong. I think online meetings ha- have challenges and I'm sure we're going to cover that in a second. But in terms of time saving, the fact that I don't have to worry about physically going from place A to B and the, and the stress that comes with that. Um, and Okay, so I can give you an example for this one. Um, uh, I had a meeting before we actually started chatting um, and unfortunately, because of all the COVID vaccination stuff, that meeting overran um, and I wasn't going to be able to make it home in time to record this. Now, I, I'm one of those weird people who carries loads of kit with me, as you can probably tell. 
Um, so I was perfectly fine to just start up from here. But I didn't have to stress about rushing back in the traffic, you know, making sure I get home on time, being late for it. I just literally connected up my device and I was ready to go. And a lot of them nowadays, you don't have to have big fancy equipment. You can just do, you know, from your phone, from your laptop, whatever. Um, but the, not having to deal with the stress of that is great. Not having to deal with the stress of parking, absolutely <laughs> godsend for me. I, I hate that particularly. Um, and actually, if you're thinking about environmentally as well, so, you know, you're not having to worry about having large meeting rooms where you're having to heat them, light them, you know, people coming towards an environmental impact of that, feeding people as well, you know. Okay, fair enough, it's nice sometimes to have lunch provided for you. But actually, now I get much better control over what I'm eating. I'm not eating weird stuff that I probably don't want to eat or, you know, all those lovely little cakes. No more soggy sandwiches and dried yeah. out cakes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and now having those unnecessary cakes, I'm now having better food, better hydration as well. I can grow, grab a drink whenever I want. I don't have to worry about, you know, mm. interrupting mm. the meeting. I can just, you know, temporarily pause my camera and stuff, grab a drink or whatever, and, and I'm good to go kind of thing. So I think in that respect, you know, online meetings are amazing in, in the opportunity they give you and the time saving they can offer i think there are some problems we need to be aware of um one i think is definitely this whole concept of it being a bit more intrusive um and so easy to set up a meeting that actually you then end up having loads of meetings or runs of meetings in particular so you know i've definitely had days where i've been in non-stop meetings from 9 a.m till 6 p.m um and that can be frustrating and tiring and particularly when you're looking at a screen all the yeah. time. So eye health care, you know, dry eyes, that kind of stuff, you know, making sure that's not a problem for you. But also, you know, it's not nice looking at a TV screen for, you know, eight hours straight. Um, not moving as much. So I, I make a point now whenever I have all my kind of meetings, I stand up as I'm doing right now, because mm -hmm. then it's just trying to build that into actually not just sitting around all day long. Um, and definitely they don't work for some people, you know, some people don't like the concept of being on camera, you know, being just on show in a way. I think more and more people are, are understanding it's not necessarily what it's about, but that I think there does need to be that recognition of that, you know, there's that element of things. Although I think it also improves accessibility, you know, people that have, you know, disabilities that prevented them from attending meetings, less of an issue to a degree, apart from the big one, which is internet speed. Um, and obviously that needs to be right. And, and that's the one that I think catches sometimes people out, particularly if you're in a busy house and you've got kids doing, you know, online school learning whilst you're in a meeting and, and that kind of stuff. Make sure you've got enough bandwidth to keep it going or if you're out and about and not dropping off and, and that kind of thing. But if that's OK, generally most of the other stuff works enough so at least you can engage. Mm. Um, so, yeah, online meetings me have been a big thing it's something i've talked about quite a lot with various groups and peoples and i, I definitely see it as, as the ongoing future i don't see it as the future anymore because we're in living it now um but i think the the next big thing is going to be hybrid meetings to be honest and, and i think that's where people probably need to start thinking about what they're going to be doing particularly as hopefully all the covid stuff should fingers crossed be getting better in the near future mm. So I'd like to come on to talk about hybrid meetings in a minute. Just mm -hmm. I'd like to just go back to, to when we, you're all online. And mm -hmm. I, the reason I'm laughing because, you know, you're saying, you know, as long as you've got good internet, we're going to have to go back and edit this podcast because we just froze a few minutes ago because I think yeah. it's just about half past four and I know exactly what has happened. I know that my son has stopped school and he's got on the Xbox and suddenly everything crashes. It drives yeah. me crazy. 
But yes, yeah, so yeah, if you don't have good internet, it, it's so frustrating. That is something I guess you just have to try and take control of and, and do do what you can. Mm-hmm. But there are a few other hacks that that can help. I mean, one thing that I like doing is to hide my self view on the meetings, mm-hmm. um, because I've read somewhere that it, it looking at yourself makes you feel like, like even more of a performance. Whereas if mm-hmm. you can hide that view of yourself, you're not constantly thinking, "Oh, I'm looking a bit tired today," or "How's yeah. my hair and makeup?" I know you're probably not thinking that but you know <laughs> maybe 50 percent of the population are <laughs> or you know worrying about what's in your background and all that sort of thing so it's just yeah. that that extra mental load um so hiding yourself you get we talked we talk about getting good lighting actually can yeah. be quite helpful and I, I was amazed you have a vast array of lights even in your consulting room i'm so impressed yeah, so, so oh, show us. I, I, yeah, I'm happy to show you. So I've There's got a lights. ring light, which is normally what I use yeah. because we kind of decide we're going to video oh, this. I, I've, yeah. I've kind of set that up to the side. And then on this side, so on my right-hand side, which is what Rachel was mentioning, I've got this big, huge light here. Now, now this is here because as some of the EGP learners know, I tend to film videos to help with um, you know patients, education, and, and some of the other stuff. And like you say, having good lighting is one of the yeah. really important things. I think actually my main light's dropped, which is why it probably looks a bit dim in here, actually um but you know having good lighting is really important because it, it makes you look more engaged in the meeting it keeps you awake and I would always try and recommend you set it up so you use natural light if you can yeah. now unfortunately i can't do that here because my natural light is this big huge window that's on this side and if i was to put my cameras like that it just wouldn't work in the setup i've got here and unfortunately there's certain things i can't change but making sure that it's good for the aesthetics for other people watching you but also for your own well-being you know, it's just nicer having natural light than artificial light. Um, I think the other one is sound, um, making sure your sound is good, because we all know that when you're in a meeting, if you've got like a, a really high pitch whine or loads of interference coming through, it just distracts you. It just makes you not want to engage with the meeting. You switch off, simply put. So having both good audio that you can hear and good audio that the other people can hear is really important. We're fortunate nowadays, most tech is pretty good. So most inbuilt microphones and laptops are pretty decent nowadays. And um, desktops, a bit of an issue that they don't always have those kind of things built in. Um, but actually, a lot of the decent webcams are okay enough for that. But I still recommend using a headset because it's just always better, I find. Um, a, for you being able to listen so you don't get the interference from the computer speakers, which generally speaking, particularly in the NHS, most computer speakers are awful. Um, but also you get less interference as well. So you don't get any of that reverb feedback that when you, you know, you've got speakers going on and you've got your microphone and stuff, it just means the audio is cleaner and hopefully works um, a lot better for both ways, both for you and for the other side. And that's definitely more of an issue when you've got, you know, like, you know, 15, 20 odd people, because if, if people got their microphones on, you can get loads of interference. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's really important to have good audio. Definitely. Good lighting is, is it essential? Depends on what you're doing. I think if you're presenting at a meeting, you're, you're, you're trying to get yeah. people engaged. Absolutely. You need to have good lighting then. If you're just there to participate and just absorb the information, kind of makes me wonder why you're there in the first place. But then at the same time, okay, maybe not be as important and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll take it from that, you know, good lighting if, if you can, um, mm-hmm. Good audio, and I know you know certainly with podcasting and thing. You know the one thing that matters for podcasts is is good audio quality. Absolutely, so yeah. Headsets are good. 
most NHS speakers are pretty, it always makes me laugh that, you know, you've got, I'm, I'm sitting, I can actually see Adam Brooks from my window and they have got these beautiful, you know, multi-million pound machines with such high tech stuff in there. And then some of the computers that everyone's using, yeah. <laughs> really old, really old tech. So if you can just buy a headset or a, or a webcam with a good, with a good speaker on it or microphone on it, that can be really Absolutely. helpful, can't it? And um, turn off your self-view. That, that's really revolutionary. Although you must not forget that your camera is still on if yeah. you have turned off your self-view, just in case you're, you're doing a meeting in a onesie or something like that. I don't know. I get it. You're pushed for time. And with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops, top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. Absolutely. And if you want another quick little thing I recommend to a lot of people that aren't comfortable using cameras and stuff, um, one of the things I say to them is um, just put a post-it on your webcam uh, pointing downwards saying, look here. Because the reason for that is um, when you're looking at the webcam, you get much better um, engagement, I think, with other people watching because you're actually looking at them rather than looking at yourself on screen and and stuff. Um, And using that, A, it's a good direction so you're not focusing as much on the rest of the screen like you say you know kind of hiding yourself you so you're less so self-conscious of things but also i found that when you're trying to have you know engagement with people in meetings and stuff because you're now looking at they think that mm-hmm. you're not looking at them that's yeah. the impression it gives uh, and it, that often leads to much better engagement definitely when i'm presenting um and when i've been doing obviously you know when you record videos for youtube and that kind of stuff they always teach you look at the camera don't look at the screen because it looks weird otherwise. Yeah, brilliant. So that is a few sort of things about how to do meetings. And I guess that there's, I mean, there's all sorts of things about then how to do, how to good meetings, which includes having an mm. agenda, knowing what you want to actually talk about, having a good yep. chair, including everyone. And that's a lot harder, isn't it? Um, in a, in an online environment, because mm-hmm. really, you know, and I found this with my, with my training that I'm doing online, if, you know, whereas I used to break into groups of maybe five or six, and they would chat. Now, when we break out, it's never more than three or four, because it's very hard to get a mm-hmm. good conversations going because you, you can't interrupt and stuff like, like you could do normally. Yep. Absolutely agree with that. I think a couple of um, hacks, if you want them um, to, to learn how to do it. So, Whatever system you're using, most of the systems have keyboard shortcuts that can help you structure and figure out how you're going to use those systems a lot better. Now, as a participant, it's nice. It makes your life easier. And definitely the ones I always recommend you learn is how to mute and unmute your microphone and how to switch on and off um, your camera and how to raise your hand or get the attention of somebody. Those are the three ones as a participant you need to know. Um, and It's so much quicker if you do that. Zoom's got some awesome shortcuts. Teams is is catching up. Um, theirs are a bit trickier, I think, but you know, definitely learn those. But as a host or as a, as the chair, are oh, they they're an absolute godsend. And my favourite one, hands down, is mute all. Yes, <laughs> that mute all button. 
Absolutely. And knowing um, how to use it is important. Knowing when to use it is also really important. So, you know, the, the fact that it can just help to, you know, clear the meeting, but at the same time, give you control over what's going on and stuff. And, you know, actually, as long as you have good ground rules at the start of the meeting and you remind people about the, you know, the kind of, you know, the, the fire escape is over here, make sure you switch your microphones off, switch them on when you want to, you know, generally it's not something you need to use. But when you do need to use it, it can be really impactful and helpful in terms of understanding and structuring that meeting to make sure it flows really nicely and stuff. So definitely learn the keyboard shortcuts. Yeah, my favorite one is just it's it's the space bar, isn't it? If you want to unmute yourself, you can just talk while you press the space bar in Zoom and then um, that will unmute you. I think that that thing about, you know, mute, unmute videos on, videos off it. You know, if you're presenting something, get everyone to turn their videos off so it's just you. Mm-hmm. Mute, but then try and get people to keep their videos on if possible because otherwise it's so easy just to switch off tune out and go and do something else in which case you might as well not not be at the meeting so it's much yeah. better to ask people to put their their videos on okay now the thing i'm struggling with is and i know lots of people have fed back to me that they really struggle with this hybrid meeting so first of all definition of hybrid meeting so hybrid meeting is when you're combining online meetings and face-to-face meetings mm-hmm at the same time um and i do think they're the future of what we're going to be heading towards because there will always be this want and this need to have um you know physical face-to-face meetings and um, they're generally for majority of people much easier um because it's nice to just have a chat and you get a lot more of that kind of side chat you know that that discussion and we all kind of know a lot of the times all the decisions are actually made outside of meetings not actually at the meetings there's that element of things but also you know it's just it's easier at times to have that face-to-face stuff and more productive because that's how people's brains work. Um, I think there's loads of cool tools that can help you do some of the stuff, but sometimes it's just nicer having everyone around the table. And as we move towards that, what you don't want to lose is the benefits of remote meetings and online meetings. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact that anybody can join increases the accessibility of your meetings. The other one that we haven't already talked about is the ability to record the meetings. Mm-hmm. And that's a massive thing. And that's actually the main reason why um, I really pushed for online meetings. So when we set up our networks in Nottingham, um, we had loads of new clinical directors, myself included. To be honest, we didn't have a clue what we were meant to be doing. Everybody was learning the job. So we wanted to try and learn together. And that's where I set up the whole concept of having, you know, Zoom meetings between the leads of our local networks to try and support each other, but also it meant that we could work rapidly because then we could have a quick meeting in the middle of the day for half an hour. And obviously, if you're trying to get you know 10 GPs into a room, that's yeah. really expensive. Very you know, and difficult. Massively expensive. Yeah, difficult, time-wise, but getting them to dial into their computer for half an hour in the middle of lunch was inconvenient. You know, actually, it wasn't impossible. But then the best part was is that we used to record all the meetings and then I would publish those um, on YouTube on an unlisted YouTube channel and then send those to everybody else. So then um, we didn't have to worry about having the minutes um, when people wanted more depth of the discussion, because that's the part they were missing from the minutes, you know, uh, the, the peculiarities, you know, the fine kind of points and stuff, they could listen or watch to those. And one of the hacks I shared with loads of people is that when you do that, the cool thing about YouTube and other kind of platforms like that is you can listen back at 1.2 or 1.5 yes. speed. Speed it up. Exactly. So you can, most people can actually understand what's going on in a podcast or on a, a YouTube channel if you go 1.2. Um, 
quite a few people can manage 1.5. Some people are awesome and can manage 2.0 speed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't. No, I can't. Uh, for me, I found 1.4 is the sweet spot for me. Um, but, you know, you listen to it quicker. And then the parts where you do want to really pay attention, you just slow it back down to normal. Um, and doing that just makes life easy, you know? And we could share the information quickly, easily. People were kept up to date because they didn't have to worry about missing the meetings and could dial in for the relevant parts. And if you go that extra step of sticking in time stamps, then it's even better because then you can just zoom to the parts that really are relevant to them and stuff. Um, but being able to have that recording is just obviously something that's really useful. And now that we've got admin support as well, if they can't make it, we can send them a copy of the audio and then they just type the minutes as well. So you don't even have to worry about necessarily <clears throat> having somebody live there you know, doing the documentation and, and the minute writing and stuff because you can actually now potentially outsource that. And for some places, obviously, that could be really effective in terms of, you know, timeliness and cost effectiveness as well. Mm. That That is brilliant. That, that's the sort of benefit, a massive benefit, isn't it, of, of online meetings that we never mm-hmm. get from face to face. But I, I, I'm still puzzling about how, you know, if, if you've got, you know, my experience of hybrid meetings before before COVID was I'd be in a meeting with loads of people and then two poor souls would have to dial in mm-hmm. and there'd be a speaker in the middle of the table and there'd be sort of, you wouldn't really be able to, the telly would never work. They'd have this thing that would connect Skype yeah. with the telly and occasionally they'd be on it, but mostly you couldn't see them. And then occasionally you'd hear a little voice piping up from the middle of the t- middle of the thing mm-hmm. and it would just be awful. So how, so how do you do it well? Okay. So one of the key changes I think that's happened is the fact that we've now, as a society, we've acknowledged that video meetings is really good. Um, so before all of those meetings tended to be um, people dialing in on the telephone and you'd have mm. the telephone thing in the middle. And that's where the problem was because they, they didn't have a physical presence in the meeting room. So the big difference with video meetings is, yeah, you, you need the screen, you need them up on there. And that's where you're looking and that's where some of the focus is. So, so you have to have that element of things. So we talked about the tech you need to have good online meetings. So we talked about audio, video and lighting. And um, we need to expand that a little bit, a bit more for hybrid meetings. So for hybrid meetings, you need a decent screen and a probably a decent size one as well. So whether that's a projector or a TV, and that kind of does need to take the focus point, just like it does in people's homes. So you know, most people, their living room, the TV is the focus. It's no longer the fireplace and stuff, um, but you need a good visual device to look at the meeting. You can't have it be a laptop. It's not going to work. Okay. Secondly, you need good audio as well. So this is where you do actually need to invest a little bit of potential funds into certain things. So you need a decent room microphone. So obviously the people that are going to be joining you who are online, they need to be able to hear what's being discussed in the meeting and the webcams that you get they're going to be okay for you know potentially doing the visual side of things. So the webcam I'm using now is a Logitech C920, which many people know is my favorite webcam. That's perfectly good for a hybrid meeting for majority of rooms. But if you ask that to do the audio, just won't cut it. People won't be able to hear. It'll be grainy. It just doesn't have the, the direction of the microphone to capture that. So you need to use something that's got much better um, audio pickup so you ideally looking for an omnidirectional microphone is what they're called so not so this one in front of me that's a unidirection so it only picks up here but then yeah. if i walk if i walk away like this you can't hear me very well exactly yeah. now imagine you're in the middle of a, a meeting room well, you know mm. standard desk size people sat around it you're not gonna be able to hear them and then the no. people that are watching 
on from the online point of view, they're just going to disengage because they can't hear what's yeah. going on in the meeting room. So you need a decent mic. Omnidirectional mics aren't expensive. You can get really decent ones. They'll cover about three meter diameter for about 30 quid. Um, or if you want to spend a, a little bit more, my personal recommendation um, is the same one I make for podcasters, actually. It's the Blue Yeti um, because it does everything. It works really good personally. And it's got an omnidirectional setting that's actually really good. So you can capture pretty much the whole room. Great. And does that plug into like a USB port or? Yeah, you just stick it into the USB of your computer. So you don't need any weird adapters or interfaces or anything like that. It it just works. And the other reason why I like it for hybrid meetings is it looks interesting. So people have a focus point to talk to when they're talking as well. Okay. So, you know, it's that additional little cue of it's Mm -hmm. not a hidden microphone. So people don't know where to talk to. You've got something that's just a little bit unique that they think, actually, I need to, if I want to talk, I need to talk towards that. And that helps. Um, and I'm thinking probably if you were going to invest in screen or mic, probably mic is the first thing because audio is the most important. You can't hear anyone. There's no point seeing them, right? Absolutely. So the audio is the priority. And also for those that are listening in the room, you need to make sure they can hear the people online. So you're probably also going to need to invest in some speakers as well. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be really expensive stuff. A, you know, a 20, 30 pound, 12 watt speaker will be more than enough for most average general practice meeting rooms. Clearly, if you're talking much bigger meeting rooms and stuff, you may have to get a little bit more and possibly two speakers and that kind of stuff. But, you know, um, for example, our meeting room, which is about, I don't know, 30 meters squared, you know, that's the kit I've been using for our hybrid meetings before COVID happened. And the quality and the engagement we had from people online was just as good as those that were in the room. Um, but you need one more thing. Okay. And, and you need one person that's actually sat on the computer that is controlling the online as well as supporting the in-room. Um, so I call it the coordinator role. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, you know, you have your chair. Everybody kind of recognizes the chair role. Mm-hmm. And the chair and the coordinator could be the same person, but I wouldn't recommend it because that's a lot for one person to do. And you're probably going to find it doesn't work so well, particularly if you've got lots of people in the room. But effectively what the coordinator's job is, is to support those that are online and help to make everyone aware that actually they want to raise things. Um, that doesn't mean they can't engage in the meetings. So no prizes. You can guess who the coordinator was for our meetings. <laughs> You know, um, but he was pointing to himself for those of you just listening oh, yeah, sorry, on audio. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just doing video kind of things that I forgot uh, about the audio side of things. Um, but, you know, having somebody that is responsible for doing that and supporting those online so that they can keep a track of the people raising their hands online. And it's the same etiquette. You know, you don't go to everybody in the room first and then to the people on the computer. They're keeping track of who actually put their hands up. They're supporting the chair to understand what's going on in the meeting, to bring people on to do the screen sharing, that kind of stuff. And actually, that's the other benefit. Everyone can see the screen now, those online and those that are in the room as well, which Mm. previously with telephone meetings, you know, people talk about slides and you're like, well, I haven't got a clue what they're talking about. Somebody's showing something like, I don't know what's going on. That's the difference. And that's why hybrid meetings, I think, are the future. Mm. Now, well, now you put it like that, it makes makes perfect sense. And I think that role of someone who is there – I mean, yes, as a meeting participant, but but to make sure the people online are okay, are mm-hmm. engaged, are included, um, is is really important. What would you say about the chat? Because often I find in meetings you've got this sort of side chat thing going on. Mm-hmm. Would you suggest that the 
people who are there in, physically in the meeting also get into the chat or not? Yeah, it's going to be difficult because they're going to sit on a lap. They'd have to open it up then in, in front of them. So you can do it different ways. Um, yeah. I think when it comes to hybrid meetings, what you generally have is you could have people joining the chat, but then they have to dial in on their devices yeah. at the same time if they want to control that. And that can get a little bit cumbersome. And you also have to remember to make sure that anybody that's then dialing in in the same room has their microphone off all the time. Yes, otherwise, otherwise get it really serious feedback goes, going it? on. Yeah. Um, and same with their speaker. So that if they are doing that, they have to switch off all audio inputs for their meeting. I'll probably tell them to also switch off their video one as well, because it's not really going to add anything. But if you want to do that, that's fine. I would definitely always suggest having chat in meetings. I know there are definitely some schools of thought that think it's a bit of a distraction and it's not helpful. But actually, I found that it allows people to make points, particularly those that are anxious about speaking up. Um, it can be really good. It can be a good way of tracking additional stuff. But And it works when you've got somebody whose role is to keep a track of that. Where it doesn't work is when you've got one person trying to do everything. Mm -hmm. So I found the sweet spot is six people. Um, so what I mean by that is if you've got six participants, whether that's face-to-face, -face, sorry, um, in the room or online, you can probably manage that with one person doing the coordinator, the chair, you know, that kind of role and stuff. Once you get over that, it gets quite cumbersome and quite challenging and you need to split those roles into at least two people. And once you hit above 25, you definitely need one person whose sole job is to be the coordinator. Yeah, well, I, th I would say... If it's over 25, it's not a meeting anymore. It's a se seminar. Yeah. But that's not how the NHS works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> because how can you, everyone have their say in a, in, a, in a meeting of 25 people? That's ridiculous. Well, the reason why it's 25 is because Zoom defaults automatically to 25 people on the screen. So that's the ah, reason why 25 uh, is okay, a thing. Okay. Teams is a bit weird because Teams likes changing it up all the time. Um, so Teams, I'd probably say, is even less because you have less people on the screen at the same time. But yeah, 25 is probably the sweet spot in terms of you needing someone that whose sole role is to be the coordinator. And, and probably that's where I would be thinking about having an admin person supporting you for it, not necessarily somebody who's... Um, particularly to the actual information of the meeting. So, you know, if, if that was a clinician, they're not going. They're going to be so busy doing the coordinating, they're probably not going to be able to, um, you know, contribute to the meeting as much. Mm -hmm. Whereas up until then, it, it's probably okay, depending on your experience and stuff. Yeah, and I was just thinking actually, we were talking about the chat being quite important. I, I've been in a couple of actually, it's when I've been doing online presentations in conferences, and between the organisers, they had a WhatsApp group. So actually, mm -hmm. you could have a, a WhatsApp group for the meeting. Mm -hmm. and do the chat on on that rather than people in the room having to dial into zoom and having that extra sort of thing going i don't know if you've ever tried something like that having a sort of so that's kind of how teams works actually um so oh. teams the the chat whilst you do have a separate chat for in meeting that you cannot organize a chat for the meetings of participants that works on teams itself that doesn't require you to dial into the meeting <gasps> and i know that because often when there's meetings happening where I've been invited to in the past, I've suddenly got the chat pinging up in the bottom of my corner saying this is going on. Like, okay, so the meeting started. I now need to go across. And okay, stuff. okay. So, oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Interesting. And mm. I think what's the role of breakout rooms and things like that? Because I'm a huge fan of breakout rooms. Love them. Um, and I know to, Zoom, you can do it really well. Yeah. Uh, and, and even in you know small meetings, still break them up into breakout rooms because then everyone gets a say and then people yeah. will then feed back. Would you use that in hybrid meetings? 
I think you can. It's important to remember that when you break that up into hybrid meetings, it does become a little bit more challenging because mm. the people in the room, you're not going to be able to, unless you've got a separate room for them to go into, they're all going to be in one room. So that's the yeah. slight downside of hybrid meetings that all the people that are in that physical room are likely to be in one breakout room and all the yeah. people that are online are not. I think that would work if you are have enough people online where it's almost an equal split. So you could probably do it that way. So you have the online people just go off into a separate kind of area to have their breakout room and the people in room. That's probably the easiest fix to doing that. Um, but the problem you've got then is if you wanted to do it properly, you're going to have to have several rooms for breakout rooms physically as well as mm. online. Mm. So maybe just having to put a bit more thought into that. Mm. Great. Well, that that is really helpful. I think there's some really concrete, easy, actually easy stuff to do, you know, Buy a microphone, get some good speakers, make sure mm-hmm. everyone can see what's going on. It's pretty pretty obvious, really, but so often we forget to do the really obvious stuff. And then I, then I would say, learn to run a meeting properly. But I guess that's another entire podcast. I'm sure you've got some. <laughs> well, very quickly, what's your pet bugbear about meetings? If you could change one um, thing, what would you change? I'd probably change people trying to take over the meeting. Um, so, so that sometimes happens where you've got people wanting to have their own meeting about something else and that kind of intrudes into things. Um, I think that's where I probably like my omni control of control and mute um, <laughs> and, and stuff um, because that allows me to, to manage that. But if I'm being honest, as long as you've got set good ground rules at yeah. the start, just like you should for any meeting, generally speaking, it's not a major problem. Most people kind of understand that if you've got the ground rules the, uh, and particularly the ground rules of how are you going to get the attention of the chair? How are you going to actually, uh, you know, um, engage in the meeting? That's probably the best thing to focus on because I think that's what a lot of people don't do. And then people are kind of wondering, oh, I've got a point. Do I do I raise my electronic hand? Do I raise my physical hand? What do I do? Do I just jump in? You know, that kind of stuff. And so having your ground rules at the start is probably the best way of making sure that's less of an issue. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I know we're going to have to finish now because we're, we're getting out of time. I, we could probably talk about this for another couple of hours. I'm sure there's so many more. We've only talked about three things, <laughs> three hacks, but I actually think a lot of those, just, just following that is going to be really, really helpful. Um, any other quick pieces of advice for just staying a bit sane and avoiding the stress of all this virtual stuff we're having, we're having to do before we finish? I think it's a non-tech one, but I think just remembering that we're all ridiculously busy, mm-hmm. but making sure there's just a period of your day that's just for you. Yeah. Uh, and this is a lesson that I've been learning a lot more lately. Um, like you said, trying to be uber productive. One of the downsides to that is just having a period of the day where you're doing something that just helps to to refresh you and you have to yeah. have that every day. So yeah. my my more recent way of doing that has been either playing board games, which many of my YouTube learners will know is my big, big thing. Um, or, or reading a book, you yeah. know, just completely disengaging from tech for a bit. As much as I love tech, you, you need to have your boundaries. Um, and yeah, get, get, getting through a good book is a great way of doing that. Or playing a, a decent board game is absolutely a good way of doing that. That does not include Monopoly. <laughs> so you don't you don't rate Monopoly? I Monopoly is a great game when it's played properly. That's the problem. Very uh, few people play it properly. The house okay. rules always come into effect, and no, 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 but I play it this way or, you know, that, yeah, that's yeah, what gets yeah, to me. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But don't cheat on Monopoly. That's another mm-hmm. good tip. And I think my top tip would be try and if you are at home a lot is put a, try and put a space between your virtual self 
and your work self and, and your home self. So, you know, there's a door behind me. When I get out that door in about two minutes, I'm going to be in my home self. And, and that transition can sometimes be quite difficult, mm-hmm. particularly when you've been working at 100 miles an hour. So um, there's a really good TED talk about that, about creating a third space between work and home. And mm. sometimes it's just a potential space. Um, but, you know, what can you think about what you can do to just decompress yourself? between work and home. So for me, I'm going to go out for a run in a minute, just between doing my work and home. Some people like to meditate or some people like to go and have a shower or walk their dog, Mm. just some sort of ritual you have. If you don't have that commute that that a lot of people have been having normally, but some people aren't at the moment, just, just create a ritual for yourself to create some boundaries between, between work and home. Uh, I mean, for me going, uh, you know, I'm still having to come into practice to see patients at the end of the day, we're still having to see people and that's really important. But yeah, like you say, for me, the commute offers the really awesome option of listening to a podcast, which is my decompression when I get home and stuff. So as soon as I sit in the car, podcast on, car on, off I go, I've got a good 20 minutes or so of listening to something that just helps me and the whole kind of, you know, work stuff. And then when I get home, hopefully I'm back to me. Yeah, Brilliant. So, um, hang on a sec. I have a little home intrusion. Well, I'll be finished in one minute. The clarinet lesson. <laughs> that's another, that's another example of the, the difficulty of working from home. You know, actually, everyone needs your space. Managing interruptions, yeah. It's my son's, cla- actually, he's just changed a saxophone. So, yeah, he's got a saxophone lesson in one minute. So, I've got one minute to ask you. If people want to connect with you, find you, hear more about your work, where can they go? Um, so best place is either go to egplearning.co.uk, which is the website, or just search EGP Learning on YouTube and you'll find all the content I've got on there on YouTube and on the podcast as well. Same thing as the EGP Learning Podblast, but just type in EGP Learning and you will probably find me right at the top. Fantastic. Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you so much. That's been incredibly helpful and we'd love to have you back again soon, if that's okay. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you for spending the time. See you soon. See ya. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.